Hey guys, it's your boy Devin Ashby, SKA Play by Play, asking you to like and subscribe, but also to spread the word about my new book, PG vs. Mocha, a memoir of high school football in the shadow of the nation's capital. The state of Maryland has produced some of the top names in college football and the NFL, from private school sensations like Trayvon Diggs and Chase Young, to the public schools that are responsible for Joe Hayden, Navarro Bowman, Sean Merriman, Trayvon Diggs, and Jake Funt, to name a few. This book is a collection of interviews and personal accounts from journalists, coaches, fans, and former and current players from public schools in two of Maryland's most prominent counties, Prince George's and Montgomery, that aims to tell our story and raise awareness on what's brewing in the area we affectionately call the DMV. I would appreciate it if you all could support by purchasing a copy on Amazon and spreading the word to friends and family. Thank you all for your love and support, and be sure to like and subscribe. Play analysis, Devin Nashby on the mic, so you know it's hella lit. Better plug your headphones in on Apple Podcasts, and we up on Spotify. Ooh. On Anchor too, no parachute, we so fly. We talking sports and music, what's the newest in that culture? Better stream, yeah, you better tune in. It ain't gonna cost ya. We talking sports and music, what's the newest? Got exclusives, yeah, we do this play by play. Follow the page, eh? If you don't know, don't worry about it. And what is good, everybody? It's another edition of the Play by Play Analysis Podcast. It's your boy Devin Nash, PSK, Play by Play. If you know, you know. If you don't know, don't worry about it. We got a special guest in the building, another returning man. It's probably been a little minute since you heard his voice, but he's here to talk about the NBA draft, and that is my guy, Lawrence Vine. What's going on, Law? Hey, how's it going? How's it going? Glad to be here. No problem, no problem. Y'all also can check him out at Law's List, all streaming platforms. It's his podcast. He talks about pretty much everything, definitely specializes in NBA and college basketball in particular, but he's pretty well-rounded, I would say. So we are, and that's why he's here today, because Law, I'm going to probably defer to you a lot more in this show because I'm not as incredibly knowledgeable of the college side of things, but... We're talking the NBA draft, which just happened this previous week. Um, a lot of questions were answered. We kind of knew who the top three would be. We just didn't know what order they would be in. Um, I think it kind of shocked everybody that Jabari fell to number three, but we're going to get to that in a second. My question to you is we're going to do this like this. I'm going to start out. What picks did you absolutely love? Uh, I'll say... I did love Jabari going to Houston. Uh, I thought he could be really be a cornerstone for them, especially after trading Christian Woods, which turned out perfectly. I didn't think they thought Jabari would fall to them at three, but things work out. And so I love that. I love uh, the Washington Wizards getting Johnny Davis um, with my Bradley Beals future now coming into more clear focus in that it looks like he is going to return um what better shooting guard to learn from than bradley beal and also when he does leave now you have a shooting guard you don't have to go look for one hopefully their player development staff is good enough to be able to mold johnny into the player that a lot of people think he can be so 
those are two picks that really like stood out to me in the first round and really in the draft overall. Yeah, I, uh, I'm not banking on that Wizards thing. I think he'll develop because he's good, not so much because they're helping him. But that's that's neither here nor there. I think I do think, regardless how I feel about Bill coming back, I do think that that will be beneficial for Johnny in that sense. So I I I, I do like that they finally drafted a, a, a point guard after you know letting John Wall kind of the things that happened with him and injuries and stuff to find that new point guard is kind of cool for them. But that being said, I too was very surprised that Jabari dropped to three. I thought he, for all the talk leading up, was going to be him number one to Orlando and Paolo Bancaro falling to three. And obviously Chet, everybody kind of was sure he was going to Oklahoma City, which is exactly what happened. But I also really like... um, I, I got I gotta say I I was listening to Open Stride podcast. Shout out to Matt, the episode that you and Faze was on, and I we the the con the conversation about Jaden Ivy to Detroit came up, and um, I know you're not a big fan of that one. But I will say I like the draft and kind of just the overall night that Detroit had in terms of the haul that they got in. Um, like, Ivy, obviously, like, you, you couldn't pass him up. But I also really love that they got um, Jalen Duran from Memphis. I really like that pick for them. You know, he's an athletic big. You know, he can run the floor. He can play defense. You know, I really like that they got him, and I think he really is going to fit that, you know, that hard-nosed Detroit, you know, kind of thing that they've historically been known yes, for. Yes, sir. So, yes, sir. I like that pick for them. Uh, I hate it for Charlotte, though, because I'm like, bro, Charlotte could have had that. Pairing him with LaMelo would have been crazy, but that's neither here nor there. The point is he's, you know, he's going up to Detroit, so... Detroit got a nice little young nucleus to build around. You know, you got Cade and Ivy. It's going to be interesting to see how those two kind of coexist with one another. And then, obviously, Duran and then, you know, some of the other guys. And now, apparently, they're trying to go after DeAndre Ayton, which I don't know where that is currently. But, I mean, we're going to see how that goes. So, Detroit is looking like they're trying to do something. They just traded for Kemba Walker, although we don't know what he's going to be after the year that he had last year. But, you know, Detroit looked like they're trying to do some stuff. But, yeah, I do love that Durant pick. Um, And then I also think that, yeah, Chet to Oklahoma City is going to be cool. Honestly, I'm not – I didn't see enough of Chet at Gonzaga to really get a good – like feel of, of him I'm not sure what he is like overall like I'm, I'm not I'm just I'm just not sure like I'm not I don't doubt he's talented or anything I'm just I'm not sure what he is like is he kind of part of this new I know he's part of this new renaissance of like alien big man is what the nickname that they call him basically these seven foot dudes that can basically guard all five positions and stuff but I he that that really thin frame of his scares me, and this is the same things we were kind of saying about Brandon Ingram when he came out of Duke. Um, he's really thin, like 
even for a 7'3 dude, like, I know, yeah, people are like, oh, don't let his thin frame fool you. I'm like, bro, with all due respect to the WCC, this ain't the WCC. <laughs> like, we are... That's real. That's we are real. in the NBA, and most of the guys that he's going to have to guard, generally, you know, dudes like Bam Adebayo, dudes like Giannis, dudes like Rudy Gobert to an extent. Um Mm-hmm. You know, all these different, especially being out West, like all these guys are going to have DeAndre Ayton, depending on what happens with him. You know, like guys like this, it's, it's going to be not impossible, but I feel like it's going to be, he's probably going to, at least as a rookie, he's probably going to have a hard time while he's still figuring his body out as a 19-year-old. I feel like his rookie season could get very rough if, you know, all things pan out, you know, so... But obviously he's only eighteen, so weight is always gonna—he's—he's he's gonna gain weight. Like they're—they're they're gonna get him right. But that—that's the one thing about him that scares me. Other than that, I think that was a home run hit for the Thunder. And with all of these picks that they have, granted, you know, you can say what you want about that, but they—they they have so many different directions that they could go with that. But yeah. That that'll be interesting to watch Chet going forward. Like, what are your what are your thoughts on Chet Holmgren specifically? Uh, I'm big on him. I'm really big on him. Uh, I feel like he can definitely be uh, like a franchise player. Um, I do agree. Like, the NBA is not the WCC, and in fact, he struggled with athletic bigs, even going back to March Madness when they lost to Arkansas in Jalen Williams. And so it's difficult to tell. However, when they when Gonzaga played Memphis early in the year and he was matched up against Jalen Duren, he held his own. And Jalen Duren is probably one of the most physical players in the draft. So I can see the skill and the physical abilities are there. It's just like you said, his body needs to fill out. He's only 18, but he does move so smooth that I feel like he'll be able to hold his own in the league. Not to the extent of college or even high school for that matter, but I'm high on Chet. I feel like he... I feel like Chet will win Rookie of the Year, to be honest with you. Yeah, I can see it. I, I can see it. It depends on what Jabari does in Houston, but I can, I can see it for sure. Um, now, with that being said, I think we're going switch it up a little bit. So I got to ask you, and I think I kind of know your answer based off of, again, we were watching Matt's or listening to Matt's podcast the other day, but I got to ask you, the the moves that you kind of left feeling a little confused about, which moves didn't you really like? So I'll say first um, is what you're uh, talking about, the Detroit at five taking Jaden Ivey. And listen, I understand it. At that point in the draft, you're really more so drafting for best player. It would have been a different story if Sacramento drafted Jaden Ivey and Keegan Murray's there. Then it's like, no, we can pass on Keegan Murray. But with Jaden Ivey sitting there, his production is too great to pass on him. So I understood it. It's just your player is Cade. It's building around Cade, your 6'8 point guard who needs the ball to be effective. This past year, and really throughout Jaden's career at Purdue, 
he never really showed the ability to be a just stand spot up shooter or a playmaker off the ball via setting screens by the people and getting open like that. He's always been like, I need the ball to be able to make the uh, show go. Well, that's what Cade needs. So it'll be interesting to see how they make that dynamic work. However, with getting um, Jalen Dern, like you said, I feel like the Jay Nivey pick works because now you have the big man situated as well. And Jaden can really be that like scoring punch if Cade doesn't have it or now that they traded Jeremy Grant, there's a hole offensively. So I feel like he'll definitely get a lot of playing time this uh, rookie year. And I feel like it'll be positive for him. Although I didn't like the pick overall. Um, the only other thing I really did like in the draft was New York because they originally drafted Jalen Duran and then they traded him to Charlotte and then Charlotte, it was a three team uh, trade and that's how Jalen Duran got to uh, Detroit. But it's like, dang, New York, you had a big man. Like, I have no idea what New York is doing. Honestly. Yeah, it's crazy because, I mean, apparently they're saving up uh, money to try to go after Jalen Brunson. But you had a big man in Jalen Duran when Mitchell Robinson is a free agent, and you don't know if you're going to bring him back. So who knows what New York is doing? I honestly think they're just self-sabotaging themselves for some reason. Yeah, I don't know. It, it, it's like, and New York does this every year because we we have this same conversation every June when it's New York's time to pick. They always either make a pick that we question or they just will trade stuff away. And it's always weird to me. Like, even earlier, they drafted, uh, I think it was Usman Jang or Usman Bieng, whatever his name was. They drafted this guy and then they traded him to. I'm trying to remember where they traded him to. Um, I think Portland or. No, not Portland. It was it was somewhere. They got rid of this dude. And I'm like, I'm just like, what, are they, what is their plan? Like, their whole thing. And it seemed like they're trying to do what Oklahoma and Detroit are doing, which is they're trying to stockpile money mostly, but also picks for later years, which doesn't make sense to me because somehow they always are just good enough to not end up in the lottery, but just bad enough that they are too low to, to like completely forego trying to draft. It's just a weird, it's a weird purgatory that the Knicks always end up in. So yeah, I didn't like what they were doing either. And on top of all of that, I didn't like Charlotte mainly. I didn't like the the Durant pick, but just the idea that Charlotte went into the draft without a head coach. So, like, regardless of what they did, you're going to bring a coach in here who really had no say over the roster that he's inheriting. And so that's just a very – that situation could get ugly quick in Charlotte if they're not careful. Because that 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 was that was just weird, and um, yeah, I say that. And then obviously the Kings, it don't matter what they do. <laughs> like Keegan Murray is a good player, and I would like it if he were with anybody but the Kings. <laughs> so yeah, that's that's kind of where I'm at with those. But I guess moving on from that, I gotta ask the under the radar picks that you liked. Like the picks that I think we should be paying more attention to. Um, I'll say definitely 
the Warriors, uh, Patrick Baldwin Jr., high on him. And high school coming in for this class, um, all these one and duns, their high school class, he was ranked number one out of all of them. He was ranked higher than Chet. He was ranked higher than Jabari. He was ranked higher than everybody. Although his numbers didn't reflect his true potential at Milwaukee because he was hurt a lot of the years, uh, a lot of the year, a lot of the season, and he was never really able to get a rhythm. However, I'm not making excuses for him. He's supposed to be able to dominate, but I mean, he's a six ten, like playmaking um, point forward, um, crazy athleticism and um, a passing ability. So I felt like that was underrated. And I'll say another one, I'd have to definitely say the Pacers with Andrew Nimhard. Um, man, like that's definitely a steal. I was hoping the Lakers were going to be able to get him at 35, but they got him at 31, and I feel like he's going to be able to contribute uh, right away for them. All right. Yeah, love that for them. Definitely love that for them. Um, Man, if I had to go under the radar – I'd definitely say, even though they didn't get Duran, the Hornets getting, uh, or no, the Hawks getting, uh, what's the kid's name from Duke? 21, Williams. You know my, you know my uh, AJ Griffin. Or AJ Griffin, I mean. Yeah, getting him, I think, was a, was a steal because this is a, a stretch. Like, he's a, I guess he's a tweener, one of those, like, forward guard combos so he can guard at least three positions on the floor and he's also a very good shooter so it gives somebody next to Trey Young that can you know space that floor out especially as they're talking about getting ready to possibly trade for uh well trade John Collins and then they talking about trying to get DeJon Murray in there DeJounte Murray in there so that could be a very scary lineup if if Griffith pans out like they hope he does which I forgot how good of a shooter he was at Duke. Like, I, I remember watching and just all the focus was always on Paolo and and everything he was doing. But I'm like, you know, Griffith was back there knocking stuff down. So, like, I like that pick for Atlanta, definitely. That was the one that I'm like, okay. They might have got themselves a nice little piece right here. Now, if they can fill that roster out, they can probably find themselves back in another Eastern Conference Finals in a couple of years if they – do get Murray and if they can figure some things out with John Collins. So, yeah, definitely. Now, I would say any other picks that just kind of stood out to you in general, whether it was under the radar or just anything in general, like just some of the highlights of the night that we didn't go over yet. Um, I would say every pick from probably – that Warriors pick at 28 mm-hmm. all the way down to 41 are going to be kicking themselves that they didn't draft EJ Lindell out of Ohio State. Yeah. Because the Pelicans got him, and I feel like that's a steal. Like, they have so much good, the Pelicans have so much good young talent that it's crazy. They're, they're literally like right there. And some would say their best player isn't even playing yet. So, I feel like, although I love the Patrick Baldwin to Golden State in the fit that can be, I thought like it would have been a better value pick if Golden State would have got EJ Lindell at 28. Because mm-hmm. he, they can mold him into pretty much like a more athletic, better offensive Draymond Green. 
And with Draymond Green, like, on the downside of his career, that's a perfect, like, plug-and-play type of project player. Right. But I guess they see that in uh, Patrick, so. Yeah. You know, they know what they're doing. You said what? You got cut off just now. Oh, I'm saying they know what they're doing over there. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely they do. They do. And by the way, the Knicks, Uzman Jang, he actually was traded to OKC. That's that's who it was. So, with that being said, I like what OKC is doing as well. Because you got him, you got Chet. Um, obviously, you have all these draft picks, and you do wonder like what their plan is going forward. I mean, what is it, 10 picks in the next two years is kind of insane when you think about it. Because it's like, I feel like a lot of that is going to be trade bait. A lot of that's going to be whatever. So, you already have... Shea Gilligas Alexander in the house. You already have um, Lou Dort. You already have, you know, like one or two other people. And then now you draft Chet and some of these other guys that you're drafting. They got Josh Giddy. Josh Giddy, of course, you know. Yeah. So they, they got they got some stuff. They got some stuff that they can work with, definitely. So I like to see if they can actually put it all together, though. That'll be where going forward. That'll be what we kind of look at to just obviously because you got to put it together eventually so with that being said i think going forward um i guess we can look on to the draft to come which is the 2023 draft is going to be the interesting one because we kind of we kind of everybody's talking about this dude Victor Wembiana, Wembiana from France. He's supposed to be just he's seven foot three. He's got handles. He can play defense. He's supposed to just everybody just seems to be thinking he's a lot to be the number one pick. We saw this a couple of years ago when Luca was coming up, where you know it was a thing with like him and DeAndre Ayton, like people, and then Phoenix ended up choosing DeAndre Ayton. Whoever gets the number one pick in 2023, I don't think they should overthink this the way Phoenix did. It's pretty clear. Draft Victor, call it a day, and figure everything else out as you go along. You know. But with that being said, I know you are way more into these guys coming up now. What are your thoughts on, I guess, the way too early analysis on what you think is going to happen in 2023. Some guys we should be watching out for that are coming up right now. Um, Honestly, although Victor is definitely a like, top candidate for like no one overall pick, I thought there are going to be a lot of guys in the States that can like rival that as well. I mean, just looking at just like incoming class, um, let me think of somebody. I don't know. Uh, Amari Bailey. I don't think Amari Bailey is, like, number one pick. But, like, that's just, like, a. I think he's a top five to 15 pick. So, I think he, he could be a lottery guard. Um, who else is there? I don't know. You think, you, think, um, you think Amari Bates bounces back? It's hard to tell. It's hard to tell given he hasn't even declared a school yet. So depending on where he goes in the transfer portal will depend is kind of like, does he want to just win a championship and be seen? Or do you want to go to a team? Like I know um, 
Louisville's on his list. And at Louisville, he'd be the number one option. So I feel like if he goes to a Louisville, he is the number one option, and he does lead lead them to, say, March Madness, he'll, his name will be up there. Because before the world knew about Victor, Imani Bates' name was up there for, like, oh, in his class, he'll be number one overall pick. Right. That's what I'm saying. I'm like, bro, his, his fall from grace is, like, insane. Because he was... He went to Memphis. Memphis had all them dudes there. It was Jalen Durant. It was him. It was a couple other people. And then it's like he got a lot of injuries that year. Then also he wasn't playing well on top of being hurt. And like just all that. And then on top of all that, he ended up transferring at the end of everything. So like, and then Memphis got hit with sanctions. So like, it's, it's just, it it was crazy to see him kind of devolve the way he did. But yeah, I mean, it, it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting going forward. Definitely gonna be interesting. But also, I forgot. Go ahead. Oh, I was gonna say one dude that does have my attention is definitely a Scoot Henderson, who's been in the G League because mm-hmm. he's out there like he's he's killing. I'm not gonna lie. He's definitely like yeah, I'm ready. And so. It's just interesting to me to see these kids younger and younger coming out. And for every Scoot Henderson, there's going to be like five kids who aren't ready. Like the first class, Isaiah Todd, when he came out, mm-hmm. he didn't even get drafted. Or he was a late second round pick. But it's kind of like if you would have went to college and been seen, there had been more possibility for you to up your draft stock. So not everyone's going to hit, but Scoot Henderson is definitely one of those ones. Right, right, definitely, definitely. I forgot to mention though for twenty twenty two, Oche Ajabi going to Cleveland. I think that's going to be a lot of people. I think that's going to be better than people think. I feel like he's going to fit in well with what they're trying to do. So yeah, there was that. But yeah, that that's the twenty twenty two NBA draft, and I guess twenty twenty three as well. While we're on it, um, yeah, this is definitely. Going to be a class looking forward. Any rookie of the year picks? Who's yours? You you mentioned Chet and somebody. Yeah. Who you think's ultimately going to win it though? Uh, I'm coming down to either Chet or Paulo because I feel like for Paulo in Orlando, if he's who people think he is, he'll be their go-to scorer. And so a lot of times, like rookie of the year, is either going to come down to whose team makes the playoffs. Or who just has like the better year, and I think Paul's going to get his opportunity to really show what he can do. Just like I thought, like Chet's going to get an opportunity because Josh Giddy's a pass first type of player, and SGA, as far as good as he is, he has some inconsistencies about him. So Chet's going to get his um, burn as well. Right, right, definitely. So I think. I also think. Generally, in today's NBA, because these guys are so young when they come out now, that a lot of the time it's just going to come down to numbers because most of the guys at the top are going to be on bad teams. So if it's gonna, if it's a numbers game, I think I'd go with Jabari just because I like his situation a little bit better in Houston. Um, then Paolo, even though Paolo, I will say, you know, being paired with Jalen Suggs, you know, that, that, that could help him a lot. And then some of, you know, and then Chet, I think, might have the best. Because, like I said, you got Josh Giddy, Shea Gillis, Alexander. I think OKC has a chance to 
In terms of wins, I think they have a chance to be better than those other two. I don't know how, by how much, but like I think they have a chance to at least kind of, unless they're still trying to tank. Like I don't know what OKC's plan is, but we'll see. But I think Jabari wins it for sure, though, in my opinion, in humble opinion. But yeah, so yeah, all I know y'all be sure to check these dudes out. Summer league is coming up in July, so it's gonna be a chance to see them in action for the first time in NBA uniforms. So. You know that. And then, of course, the season starts later. But, yeah. We have reached my favorite part of the show. It's a segment I like to call Big Time Plays of the Day. And it's dedicated to some of the biggest highlights of the week. And Law, being a Texas fan, obviously the biggest news of the week for y'all came in the form of yet another member of the Manning family. Um, Archie Manning, who's projected to be the number one quarter uh, player in the class of 2023, who is incredibly highly coveted. You know, a lot of schools, it seemed like Georgia was leading the way at one point. It seemed like Alabama had some chance to get them. But ultimately, the decision came down to the Longhorns. The University of Texas now has a commitment from Archie Manning. And Law, as a Texas fan, I ask you what your reaction to Archie Manning coming down to Texas. What is your thoughts on that? Love it. I love it. Um, honestly, I wasn't giving Texas much of a shot because I did think it was going to come down to Alabama or Georgia in the end. But his relationship with Shark, Shark got in there. And Shark being Steve Sarkeesian, by the way, for those that don't yes, know. Yes, yes. These are two of the three perfect players of all time according to 24-7 sports ratings and the quarterback the other one being Vince Young all three have committed to Texas Shark has recruited two of them Shark has recruited two of them in Quinn Ewers and Archie Manning and I just feel like the arch effect is happening I mean Texas commitment, Texas has been getting top recruits from the class of 23 left and right. I mean, the other day they got seven in one in, in, in the day. And so, I mean, I feel like it's coming at the right time because they'll get there in 23. So approximately they'll get there two seasons before Texas is supposed to get to the SEC, if not sooner, which is... This is what you need to compete. You need the best. You need the top talent to go down there and compete in the FEC. And look, I've heard a lot of hate talking about it was an NIL deal. He doesn't need the money. The Mannings don't need the money from NIL. He went there because that's where he wanted to go. Now, Texas just needs to like not... Like, fuck this stuff. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. be competitive. Still, like, don't... This 5-7 and seven year that they had last year, 
that can't happen again. In fact, in my opinion, the most pressure is on Quinn Ewers because he's already transferred one time because he started at Ohio State. Right. So you pretty much have he, and it's no guarantee he's the starting quarterback this year. If you want to get playing time, you have to win a starting job this year. And although it's a long stretch, you need to compete for like the college football playoffs. Because when Arch comes in, he's probably going to take your job. That's just like the bottom line of it. He's probably going to take your job. Well, I just, I, I, I got one. I, I just got asked though, because I, I get, I get the numbers. I get, oh, you know, he's got the perfect season and one of the three quarterbacks ever to have one. But I'm really asking because I've seen, I've seen his highlight tape at least not fully, but I've seen bits and pieces of it, and I'm just wondering. Is he really all of that, or are we just hyping him up because of who his uncles are? Like that—that's my question about him. He really I, that, bro. Like I just—I don't know. I, I've seen the tape, and it's not like the most impressive quarterback high school tapes I've seen. But like again, I don't want to sound like a hater. I just really just want to know. Like, is he that dude? Is he him? He really that dude. He, in fact, the other top quarterbacks from other classes, their tapes have been less of what Arches is. Mind you, he's going into his senior year, so he still has a whole another year. That's true. That's true. And yeah, that's the other. Right. That's the question I have, I have with Quinn as well. Is he him? Because you gonna yeah, have now that's a good one. You gonna have at least a two year head start on Arch because you 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 were at Ohio State even though you didn't play, but you know how a college game works now. You're you're at Texas. You're competing for a starting job. Let's say you do keep it by year three. Your your third year. In college will be the first year Texas goes to the SEC. So, like, by the time you're draft eligible, that's a lot of pressure on a dude. Because <laughs> that season could go plenty of different directions. Because your first year in the SEC, depending on which side of the SEC they're in, if they're in the SEC West and you got to play Auburn and LSU and Alabama and Georgia, well, not Georgia, but you might throw them in there if you, if you get through that guy. Like Mississippi State, Ole Miss, like... That's a lot for your first year yeah. at SEC, you know. And then this year, if you win the starting job, one of your first early tests is against Alabama, who is angry as shit because they're coming off of a national championship that they probably should have won if they were fully healthy. And, you know, Bryce Young and his reigning Heisman candidacy, and they're going to be on this revenge tour. So you're, you're in your house against Alabama. Even if you lose, you can't get ran off the field. Because that's going to be a barometer of like, I agree. Oh, that's a barometer of like, yo, we're going to the SEC. This is who we're going to be playing on a yearly basis. If we get ran through, it's not going to look good to, you know, a lot of people. And that's going to put even more pressure on Quinn with Archie coming in hot. <laughs> so, yeah, this is, this is, I agree. These next couple of years are going to be big for Texas, definitely. Do you think that since Shark is the one that got the commitment from Arch, that no matter how these seasons pan out until Arch gets there, that Shark's job is safe? I think it's safe until the transition. Like they they're gonna they're gonna keep him in place to smooth it over a little bit because he's been in the SEC. I think that's why they hired him in the first place. Is because he came from Alabama. He knows the SEC. He recruits the SEC. The, the intention was to get Sark in there, I think, in order to help that transition go over better. And 
if he doesn't make it to the transition, that's gonna say more about him, in my opinion. Yeah, I feel I feel like they. I don't know. I feel like in today's day and age, where people leave, like people do, like decommit because coaches are fired who recruit yeah. them. Mm-hmm. I feel like you keep them until Arch gets there, and be like, all right, like you'll stay here, Arch's like freshman year. But if you don't win after that, bro, you're on the hot seat. Yeah, and that's that's how it's gonna be. Yep. Such a big Arch is such a big um, prospect, and all these other players are coming because of him. You don't want to leave him. Yeah, 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 and that's 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 what that is. But we're gonna move on from that for a second because we just got breaking news. Um, Kyrie Irving has made his decision. He is staying with Brooklyn, signing his 37, or he's picking up his $37 million player option. So at least for the nether, for at least one more year, Kyrie Irving will be a net. Breaking news. You know, we don't get a lot of it here. <laughs> but yeah, that's that's what that is. You know. Any thoughts on our on our, on our uh Favorite point guard Kyrie Irving. <laughs> what was with the cap? Like, what was, what was with this whole game and charades? Like, I don't understand. <laughs> All this was unnecessary. It was just a big. I need attention. Look at me. Look at me. Yeah, but if we know one thing about Kyrie Irving, attention, attention, attention. <laughs> if it's one thing he loves getting, even if he pretends like he doesn't, it's it's getting attention. So that's an interesting one. I mean, at the end of the day, I figured he would pick that option up, you know, but I don't know if he stays in Brooklyn past this upcoming season. But I'm going to tell you what, bro, the Brooklyn Nets are really hilarious, but we're, we're going to get into them in a second. We're going to we're going to get into them for a second, because matter of fact, let's talk about them now. You played yourself dedicated to all the people that should have sat down and ate their food. And I'm going to tell you. I'm going to switch some things around real quick. Brooklyn, the Brooklyn Nets have put themselves in this situation because I just, I don't get it. I, I, I don't get it. I don't get what they have been doing for the last several years. You know, every time you think the Nets got it figured out and then they just turn around and just don't. Like we thought years ago when they made that big, we thought it was a heist when they traded them picks to Boston and Boston traded them their old aging big three of Kevin Garnett, Paul Pierce, and um, then Darren Williams signed there. And we thought, oh, the Nets are here. They've arrived. And then that didn't work out. And then Boston turned that into Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, Marcus Smart, and, <laughs> and what they've become now. So we thought Brooklyn had figured that out. Then fast forward, you signed Kevin Durant a couple years ago, Kyrie Irving. Then you trade for James Harden. And you get this big three. But here we go again. Like, oh, we, we thought we figured it out, whatever. Those those three combined to play a grand total of 21 games together. Kyrie runs James out of town because he's acting crazy. Because he don't want to play. And then, you know, Kyrie and Kevin get swept out of the first round of the, of the playoffs this year. So it's, it's just... And then the crazy, insane circus that was going on this whole season. Acting as if it wasn't them doing it. Like it just—I don't—I don't get it. <laughs> like, at what point is enough enough? Like, at what point is enough enough? You know, 
And it seems like the Nets are starting to hit their breaking point now. Because we're seeing reports that are saying they were talking about they would be perfectly cool with getting rid of everybody if it means they don't have to go through what they went through last year. Like, the Nets clearly are like, yo, I've had enough. <laughs> it's like, bro, this is crazy stuff. The New York basketball franchises are, yeah, interesting groups over there. Yeah, no, I agree. I feel like it's kind of the, like, they've invested so much into it that they're it's kind of like a black hole, and they have no choice but to stay on that path. And, I mean, but at least, hey, at least they, they're kind of putting an end to it, though, because they didn't, they didn't fold. They called out Kyrie's bluff. Yeah. Yeah. Because I'm just saying it for the record. That's he would have been turning down thirty million dollars. That's a lot of money. That's to a lot of money. Down. Well, damn near forty. Damn near forty. <laughs> and to turn it down to take a mid-level exception to and be then second to, fiddle to LeBron again. That's a lot of money to turn down for anybody. Right? Yeah. Nah, he ain't crazy. He ain't, he he a lot of things, but he ain't crazy. <laughs> he be playing like he crazy sometimes, but he ain't crazy. Ain't nobody turning down $37 million for one year. Fully guaranteed. Fully guaranteed. Like, no, ain't nobody doing that. Now, somebody who apparently is crazy is Michael Jordan. Because the Charlotte Hornets, I don't know what their plan is. I don't know what type of coaching search they went through. And in a lot of situations, in a lot of ways, they were kind of in a lot of ways, their hands were tied because, you know, they thought they had their new head coach in Kenny Atkinson, which I didn't even really like that hire. But that's another conversation for another day. Kenny Atkinson was in the building. Then he decided last second after winning a championship that I'd rather go down with Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, and Draymond than to be watching Miles Bridges drink lean and Montrez Harrell moving weight. And, like, <laughs> you know, like I'd rather be in an established organization than what is seeming to be a bunch of young players that just clearly have lost their way. <laughs> you know, so he backs out of that. And so they were stuck basically back at square one trying to find a head coach. And granted, they were on what felt like a limited time timeline. But I mean, at the same time, they had plenty of time, but it just felt limited. Rather than really go in and find some qualified candidates, because there's plenty of them out there. They decide to bring back Steve Clifford, who was there previously, was never overly impressive in the years that he was there. It wasn't anything they did that was remarkably remarkable. And they bring him back for a second stint with the team. And I'm just like, why? 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 Like, it just, why? I don't know yeah, I don't doing. know, bro. I don't know. Um, maybe that's just their guy. Maybe that's their guy. Um, I don't know. I don't know what to be honest. Uh, I would say also, though, maybe he's the only guy that said yes. That could be true. That could be true as well. And they, they tried to get other guys, but... When they saw Kitty Axon say, nah, never mind, I'm good where I am. Sarah's like, okay. Yeah. 
there, where there's smoke, there's fire. Let me not go over there and be the one that gets torched as well. And maybe the joke's on Steve Clifford in the end, and Steve's the only one who doesn't get it, and I'll right. take the job. Exactly. Because he probably knows. He's used to it. Whatever he's getting ready to walk back into. Because he was it's there probably for his long. fire that he created. Right. But I think it's more of an ownership thing, too, though. Because Mike and and, and the ownership group in, in Charlotte, it, it's... You know, like, yeah, you just wonder. Like, that seems to be a lot to walk into. You feel like it's a good roster, though, because you have the mellow ball, who's the future of the franchise, you know. Depending on what happens, I think the questions come everywhere else because, you know, Miles Bridges is in a contract year, you know, so we don't know what we're getting with him yet. You know, you have Montrez Harrell, who's kind of a volatile guy. He, he When he doesn't get minutes, he starts chirping a little bit, and that can be alarming. And then beyond that, you don't really know what the rest of that roster is going to feel like. You don't really know what the rest of that roster is. I don't know if I would have fired James Borrego, but I can see why they did it. Especially considering that they just ended up hiring Steve Clifford again. Like, I just don't know if it was worth it to fire James Borrego at that present moment. Like, I would have given him maybe one more year. But that's just me. You know? What do I know? I'm not an owner of a billion dollar team i'm just a fan <laughs> but yeah that 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 one was a head scratcher that one was definitely a head scratcher and speaking but yeah yeah and i feel like they're still they're still uh building their team i did like their draft pick and mark williams i felt like yeah. he's the best shot blocker in the draft so i mean and he's a good lob threat so you have that for Lamelo, like you're talking about um However, I feel like they're they're also in that that little place where it's like you're not getting you're not bad enough to get like the number one overall pick, but you're not good enough to like make runs in the postseason either. Right. And it's hard to really like grow your franchise in that little state because it's kind of like we're stuck here. And unless some of these picks they they make start really panning out for them they're going to be stuck because free agents aren't like scrambling to get to charlotte right exactly exactly and even your draft picks that you're developing they ain't, it ain't like they breaking the door down to stay <laughs> you know like so mm-hmm. not to say that you had a ton that are worth keeping but you know we'll, we'll see what happens with Lamelo in a few years if he starts to get you know if the jig is up with him we'll, we'll see you know if they don't bring miles bridges back you know what happens from there because I think he's a piece that you can build around assuming that he gets certain things in order you know but yeah that that is true because this ain't like the NFL where you know all you got to do is win three games and get to a Super Bowl like NBA is really like a process you know and it's very it's very rare that you get a team like Memphis who just gets way ahead of their rebuilding schedule and is like already a game away from the conference finals in their second year basically together that doesn't happen very often. So, like, or like what happened in Atlanta. That that doesn't happen as frequently. Like, unless you just got generational talents, which both of those teams do. So, we, we think, you know, we'd like to believe. So, that's that. But we're going to move from one head scratcher to another. And the NFL. Obviously, how many different ways can we say the Cleveland Browns have royally screwed this up? It's just like every day new details come out about Deshaun Watson and his many, many, many accusers. And 
it's like how many times like like Cleveland couldn't have pretended like they didn't know this was coming. You know, now we're talking a suspension. Some people are saying a full year. There are people saying there's a chance they're going to go for higher than that in the event that he tries to appeal it. Um, there's a chance he may never play football again. I don't believe it just because we've seen the NFL turn a blind eye to stuff if you're talented enough. But there is a realistic chance that he may never play football again. At least not in Cleveland. And on top of that, they've already alienated their former number one pick who, you know, granted everything we say about Baker, he was the best quarterback they've had in at least 20 years. You know, um, so they alienated him and he's still on the roster. They haven't been able to trade him. (laughs) So you're getting ready to pay him $18 million on top of paying $235 million, almost damn near fully guaranteed to Deshaun Watson. This is a mess. Only the Cleveland Browns can fuck this up like this. Uh, I feel I don't feel I don't feel like they screwed up, bro. To be honest with you, I feel like they just got caught with their hand in the cookie jar because yeah. the name of the game is to win. Any t- all those teams were trying. There were, I think it was five five teams that were trying to get Deshaun. Right. This outcome would have happened no matter where he would have went. Yeah. No matter where he would have went. So then the joke would have been on that team, not just like Cleveland. It would have been, oh, it's on Atlanta. Because, in fact, Atlanta still suffered. Because Matt was like, oh, y'all don't want me anymore? Well, then trade me. So Atlanta lost out. Mm-hmm. Uh, New Orleans, we don't know because it never got that serious. But who knows how James would have taken it? Would he still have resigned knowing that you want this other guy? So it's just kind of like they got caught with their hand in the jar. But if I'm the owners, if I'm the front office, I don't care about none of that. I'm trying to make my team better. We're trying to win a championship. We have a valid defense. We don't believe in Baker anymore. We don't. We believe in Deshaun, though. We've seen what he can do. We've seen what he can do with very minimal pieces. So, yeah, we're going to do whatever it takes to get him. And then we'll just have to pay the – and like you said, I don't think – I think he'll play for Cleveland. However – you're not thinking that. You're thinking, you know what? He'll probably get like a little six, eight, you know, maybe maybe the season type thing. Maybe, but we're we'll, we'll plan for that. That's why every quarterback that they signed, Jacoby Brissett, um, I'm, and I think they brought in some others. They're all the same type of mobile quarterback to fit the same style. So it's like, bro, we're gonna get you, knowing that we'll probably lose you for the year. But then the year after that. In the year after that, when you can play, we're going to be an issue. So it's just kind of like, yeah, some people think they screwed up, but it's like it would have happened regardless, no matter where Deshaun went, because when you give up, you're not going to give up all that it would have taken to get Deshaun to put him on the bench. Right. He was going to play. The only plays, actually, honestly, of all the teams that were going after him, the only one that I think would not have really had much of a blow would have been the Panthers because mm. if I'm gonna alienate anybody, it's Sam Darnold. I agree. I agree. <laughs> but like... in the scenario that what's happening now happens, it wouldn't just be Cleveland like we're making fun of. Right. Everybody that's in that scenario, you'd if it would we're imagine the same this happened with the 49ers. And say, like, oh shit, now you gotta you gotta cry back to Jimmy G. 
and he it's already known that you don't want me here anyways right so but now you only want me because deshaun is probably not going to be here and i'm your best option because you want to win games because cleveland has a good defense so yeah i understand why baker's mad but i also understand why cleveland went for deshaun what it's Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, just to be, just, <laughs> just, to, they screwed up, just to be clear, just to be clear, this is not me defending Baker Mayfield in any way. He, yeah, <laughs> like, no, nah, if the Baker, like, bro, like, it's a tough world. They call NFL not for long. Like, you ain't played where you needed to play. And if anything, this is kind of karma for the way you treated your teammate a few years ago when he well, was in the same situation and you were airing him out in public. And now here well, you are. And it's like, whatever. So, on one hand, ain't nobody defending or crying for Baker Mayfield. But on the other hand, it's like, on Cleveland's side, on the business side of things, this is just really bad business. For Like you said, anybody that would have done it, Atlanta especially, New Orleans, any of them would have been in the same boat, obviously. But Cleveland is the one that bit the bullet. And so, you know, naturally, we're going to, you know, we're going to make fun yeah, of it. But, yeah. But, but yeah, yeah, like you said. It's unfortunate for the fans of Cleveland because they thought that they were finally out of the clear and here we are again. But, you know, they knew they knew what it was when they, meaning the Cleveland front office, they knew what it was when when they started the conversations and negotiations. Yeah, it's like, it's gambling. Like, you know when you sit down at the table, there's a chance that you're going to walk away with nothing. There's a chance that you're going to lose what you came with. And there's a chance but, you're gonna cash out. And there's a chance you're gonna cash out. Right. So and that's why you sit down at the table. Yeah, but we're we're it's gonna be interesting to see how long of a suspension he gets because this definitely, with all of the years of incidents of this matter, this one seems to just be so much more like unprecedented than I can remember in recent memory. So it's gonna be interesting to see how the NFL handles this. And it's also interesting because this is one of two active, like, you got Deshaun Watson on the player side, and then you have all of this Dan Snyder bullshit on the owner side. So, like, it's, you got two active, like, similar situations going on at once. This is going to be an interesting summer and fall going forward for the NFL, regardless of how both of these things play out. <laughs> so, yeah. Oh, yeah. We're, 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 we're going to see, you know. And Snyder's is at a congressional level. Like, his is way bullish. Yeah. yeah, so we're, we're going to see how both of these play out. But speaking of Congress and government, we got to switch to a little more serious note. Um, the Supreme Court struck down Roe versus Wade this week. And for those who have been living under a rock, Roe versus Wade basically has, for the last 40, 50 years, provided women safe options for abortion services and just the right to basically control their own futures and their own bodies and the united states most powerful judicial institution took that away from them this week and i just gotta say like i i, I don't even know what to say really like I've, I've i've been wrestling with this for a couple of days since the ruling came down like we kind of saw it coming because they leaked a few months ago the opinion that it was probably going to end up getting overturned and generally when most of these justices got put in place by the previous administration a lot of people kind of figured that this day was coming 
And so I just got to say, like, why do we... What is wrong with this country, bro? Like, I just, I don't even know what to say for it. Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. This just, I agree, bro. It's like, why are we always in women's business? Like, it's like, what is it? Getting an abortion got to do with the next person. You know, if, if it ain't your baby, why are you worried about it? You know, like. Preach. I just, it's just, and and it's, and generally, the other thing too that, and, I, and I'm sure they know this and don't care, but I still got to say it. Making abortions illegal is not going to stop them. Well. It's only going to make them more watch dangerous. Yourself. You know, like, if half the country bans them, that ain't, people aren't just going to stop getting abortions. It's just going to open the door to other stuff that we don't even need to get into because you know we know what it is like it's just gonna open the door to a lot of other things a lot of people are gonna suffer and get hurt because of this and it's just like it's nasty and they and they're not stopping that abortion either they've they didn't already made it clear what their game plan is you know they're going after everything they're going after birth control they're going after same-sex marriages they're going after all types of stuff so it's just like I don't know. This this country, man, I tell you. <laughs> it's dope. You know? But I just I just gotta pray for like the women in particular that are hurting right now because this 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 shit is disgusting. And yeah, this shit is disgusting. <laughs> you know, but I, you know, we as a nation let our women down. And it's ironic the same week that we're celebrating Title IX, you know, the same week that, you know, it's just every time this country takes one step forward and it's this minority of individuals that want to push it 200 steps back into the 50s, you know, like it's crazy. And, And then also, how in the same, let's say seven to fourteen days, in, within the same week, the same Supreme Court ruled that the government can't regulate guns, but you can regulate women. <laughs> it's like how do well, gun, how do guns have more rights in this country than women? I don't I don't get it. Shows you what they value, huh? Yeah, yeah, you know. And I got I got some other thoughts. I got some other thoughts on abortion, but I don't know if I can really get into them in this show without being labeled a conspiracy theorist. But, but yeah, um, but I guess I, I, yeah. With that being said, I guess I don't know how to pivot from that, but to go, I guess, to a little more of a positive note um i did mention title nine earlier and this is this past week was the 50th anniversary of title nine which outlawed sex-based discrimination in the u.s you know made it that women um you know we talk a lot like every time i think of title nine i always think about sports because that just kind of was funny but it, it was it was ironic watching um the 37 words documentary that espn put together this week that initially in the 
early women's movements before Title IX got passed, like sports wasn't even a feature, like a focal point. And then it kind of became almost like one of the many faces of it once it did get passed. I found that pretty interesting. Um, but yeah, that that was it, it is you know fifty years of um, you know equality for women, and it's just kind of upsetting though that it came at the same week as the Roe v. Wade thing. But you know, I mean, there are still people out there that are fighting, and there are still people out there making differences within you know women that are out here fighting and making differences and things that they fought for, and we already know they're not going to stop fighting regardless of what. The Supreme Court or anybody else got to say about it. So, yeah, like I recently saw that um, the Cleveland Cavaliers owner Dan Gilbert is going to pay for women to try to go get whatever they need to be done outside of Ohio, since it's like illegal and now that it's passed, they're really cracking down on it. Right, that's certain state. Yeah, like I know there are a handful of states that passed stuff before it before it passed, so like that is still legal in those states. But yeah, that is true though. Um, but yeah, it's it's gonna be interesting to see all this stuff going forward. And then um, I guess to pivot back to the world of sports, um, we the college baseball and college softball we always talk about like how fun those sports are within like the late like when the tournaments and the Omaha like the runs the Omaha start and this year proved it again like the women's the women's side the softball side is always like one of my favorite pastimes at this time of year you know um, the men never failed to disappoint either and this year was unprecedented and I think they said the first time that we had so many teams in there that weren't top seeds. It was several teams that made it, including the University of Mississippi, one of the last four teams in. They ended up winning it all. You know, they were a last four in team. They were on the outside looking in. And for them to go from that to winning in college, their first ever championship is impressive. And Law, being a Texas fan, I would figure that what made this run even more gratifying is that they beat Oklahoma to do it. They beat them twice, actually. You know, swept them. So, shout out to Ole Miss. Yes, yes. However, before I tap on that, I just want to take a detour real quick, if I may. As the avid listener of Play by Play podcast that I am, and for those of y'all out there that aren't listening to every episode that drops, you need to you need to pick up your game because it's fire content. Every episode, no misses, all hits. However, with that said, the last episode I listened to, there's a lot of there's a lot of bullets coming towards my guy Drake, and I just feel <laughs> I gotta stand up for us one time as a fan base. I just gotta stand up for us one time. And like I just, I just kick off with like, I feel as if though we are a strong, passionate group, but that shouldn't be our down. That shouldn't be the reason why he gets hate. As was mentioned, there are a lot of fan bases that <laughs> act just as belligerent, if not more. 
Now we did we did mention Beyonce's fan base. There's what? more. There's more than the Beehive. Like what said, that's a cult. I, I don't mess with that. I don't. I don't touch those grounds. Yeah, yeah. We got. We got to talk about NBA uh, Young Boys fans. His his fans are NBA Young Boys on the list. His, <laughs> you know, his fans will stab you as they as they play his music for you. They they eat crayons. They, they don't hate. Maybe that's because people don't want to venture into those grounds and be attacked. That's not my business. Kendrick Lamar fans. Now, just because he doesn't drop as often as Drake, they don't have as much as ammunition. Yeah, that's that's but probably he true. He does drop. Yeah. No, they're they're yeah. People they used to talk about them too. In the water. Yeah, they, they, people used to talk about him too. I remember when people would say, "Oh, you got to have a certain level of intel." No, that was J Cole. They were like, "Oh, you got to have a certain Cole. level of intelligence now to listen to him." Now we're getting into it, and the worst of them, the worst. Those Kanye fans. Oh Lord Jesus! We yeah. know, no, but I've gotten into them though. It's not like I've given them smoke before. We we've known them, <laughs> and there needs to be more like you. They swear <laughs> their man invent, invented the mere essence of music. Well, but well, with they, uh, uh, <laughs> I'm talking about what a tone is. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, true. That's true. Now I want to go that far. Now going and into so, Going into Drake, um, they're, they're, we we talk about Drake and this 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 dominant run that he's been on, right? Um, I don't even remember when it started at this point. He's been on it so long, but a lot of people could argue that um, Drake is effectively a one man dynasty at this point. Like, I mean, just the run that he's been on in terms of his numbers and just considerably breaking records on records on records and just like every you know. Um, that he puts out, regardless of how people feel, like that side of it, you can't deny. Like, yo, he's putting record-breaking music out. Like, whether you like it or not, that's that's he's doing. The reason I bring this up is our last topic of the day is a question that I've been thinking about, and I brought it up at work because naturally, working at ESPN, this would be the appropriate place to ask this question. What is the criteria necessary to be considered a dynasty in sports like is there a certain number of championships that you have to win is there a certain number of times that you have to go can you go 10 straight years and only win two championships and be considered a dynasty you know like what what, what do you think the criteria is like is there a certain number i feel like the appropriate number is three you got to win at least three championships to be considered a dynasty but i i i, I asked you lawrence you know while we're on the subject of dominance and dynastic performances what do you think is the criteria necessary to be considered a dynasty i would say um because that word gets thrown around a lot so it does and i would say it's kind of a mix i believe the journey does matter but also winning matters because it's not like yeah you can go but if you're not winning in the end what i'm not gonna I mean, there could be a dynasty of losers, and you would qualify. You'd win it, but no. Um, I feel like I agree. The three should be the benchmark. However, there are different forms of three. Like if you a three P, but that's all you ever win, your dynasty. However, you can go three times and win. Say you win them, and they're spread out. Yeah, you'd be a. I feel like you'd be a dynasty, but it'd be a different kind of dynasty. Like the long, you you have a dynasty of longevity, right? A pure like winning dynasty, like a three P, or I would say this era of the Warriors, perhaps. Now that they have four, um, 
they're kind of borderline for me. So they're kind of like a mini dynasty. If they win another one and they make it five, yeah, I that's think, powerful. I think it's fair. The Warriors, you mentioned this just now. There are different facets. Like you can have an air of longevity. Like I feel like the Warriors are basically the Spurs of this generation because they're just way more fun to watch. But like the Spurs won five championships, but they didn't win them consecutively. It was like, oh, we win two in the 90s and then we go like four years and then we win like one in 07. Then, you know, we go a couple more years and we, we win like two more and then we win one in like 2014 and then that's it. You know, and that's a run. But then you get like the Lakers in o- from 99 to 01 when you win three straight or you get the Bulls where you have two different three-peats in seven years. You know, uh, so I do think there are differences. Like I think there is a run of dominance where you can win a bunch in a row. But then there's what the Warriors have done where I think the Warriors are a dynasty because they've won four, they've been to like six. <laughs> um, they came within a game of winning a fifth. If, you know, if if LeBron doesn't have that incredible chase down, I mean, there's a chance we could be talking about five championships, you know. like Or even if even if Clay doesn't tear his ACL... At the end of three, at the end of three, when he had thirty points, right? You know, Draymond don't get suspended in Game Five. Like, you know, talk about it. <laughs> like, so, yeah. So, I think the Warriors count. I also think there's also a difference, and I mentioned this at work, and somebody, I don't know how you feel about this. For for the question of like, oh, if you go to ten championships like LeBron has been to, but you only win maybe like four. And you just continue to lose them. Is that a dot? Or like if you the Buffalo Bills when they went to four Super Bowls and didn't win any of them, I think that is what we consider an era. Like you, there there are difference between dynasties and eras. So like you can be in an era. Like and and I think a lot of people confuse the two, which is why the word dynasty we throw the word dynasty around the way we throw around superstar. Everybody can't be a superstar. Preach. Just like everybody can't be a dynasty. So Preach. I think it's more so there can be eras. Like LeBron in Miami was an era because I don't know if they want enough rings to be a dynasty. Right. You know, LeBron in Cleveland the second time was an era. <laughs> you know, yeah. uh, I'm trying to think some other ones. Like, yeah, really. I mean, like when you think about it, like that, that's the kind of stuff that we talk about. But then you have stuff like the Patriots. Like, 20 years, seven championships. I don't know if I like that's a dynasty, you know, because it, but it's, it's a longevity thing. Because you remember, they had like a 10 year gap when they weren't winning championships from like 04 to 14. Yeah, and then from 14 to 20, they win like three, and then they yeah. win, I think they won three before that. So it's like that 10 year gap kind of throws things off. So I think that one's more longevity. So that's that's where we're at. But but I do agree. The benchmark to be a dynasty is three. If you win two, it's like, yeah, they're great. They're cool. You know. But yeah. That I, I just I just thought about that. I was thinking about that and I'm like, yeah, I gotta feel yeah, I agree. But yeah, you know, that'll bring us to the conclusion of another great show. Shout out to you, Law, and your uh, basketball knowledge and being in house with us. No, thanks for having me, man. Anytime, anytime. Yeah, yeah. And y'all, like I said, check out Law's list on Apple, Spotify, Google, any pretty much anywhere you get your streaming platforms. Law's list is up there. So 
y'all y'all check my boy out and check out Matt Open Stride Podcast because he he be dropping gems on there too. You know, so we're doing things out here. We're all doing things. So, but this is the Play by Play Analysis Podcast. I'm Devin Nash, BSKA Play by Play. If you know, you know. If you don't know, don't worry about it. We got to get up out of here. So I'm going to see y'all when I see y'all. Deuces.